Amen. Praise God. We are going to go in the book of Matthew chapter 13. How many know we serve a good God? A God who is a blesser and a God who is a rewarder, beloved. And so I encourage you this morning, you, you remain focused in the things of God. May God bless you and keep you in all that you do for His glory. Matthew chapter 13. Amen. Every church this morning, as you know, I'm preaching a series. Uh, God's master plan, the church. And I'm going to delve into a subject this morning. Uh, in fact, I'll do a four-week series. So we started off last Sunday. We're going to move on to today. Today, we'll move on to the next Sunday. And then the, third, the fourth week, uh, we'll be visiting these passages together. But in Matthew chapter 13, verses 1 through 9, uh, in this passage, it speaks concerning the seed that has been planted. This is the parable of the sower. And in this passage that we're about to read, it reveals what I call the culture of the church. The church carries with it a culture. And we know that even in this congregation, we have a culture. And that culture enables us to stay focused and committed to the vision that we are here for. This is why we can outrightly say that the purpose of this church is not merely to just have a bigger buildings or to, uh, uh, for, the, for the pastor or even for the congregation to just live this high-end lifestyle, but rather the purpose of this church, as I said to you last week, is simply to do the great commission and to do the great commandment. This is why we exist. This is the purpose we exist this morning. And every church has a unique culture that serves as the soil where the ministry occurs. A church's culture is that somewhat nebulous and complex blend of norms, beliefs, and attitude. I'm just giving you a description from a man that I picked up from. Traditions and practices that define the congregation. They are the unseen, intangible issues that reside below the surface and shape the culture of a congregation. Now, a culture, as they say, is an unwritten set of rules that governs everything that a church does. That means all that we do comes back to the centrality of that, who we are, what we do, why we do it, and that defines the culture. And I say to you that the culture defines the health of the church. I remember listening many years ago to Steve Jobs' uh, interview and he said, the question is not why we do what we do, but rather what we're doing and the purpose and the very purpose that it begins to address in the needs of people's life. It's not a matter of what we're doing really. It's why we're doing it, sorry. It's why we're doing it. Simon Sinek said, start with why. Why am I in church? Why am I here? Why am I doing this business? Why am I involved? Why, 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 why? You always have to start with why. If your answer to that why is limited but to yourself, then we need a bigger why. So why? 
Why do we do what we do as a church? Because the culture, beloved, defines the health of the church. Modern day Christianity is more concerned about what is on the surface. Style, presentation, methodology, rather than what is underneath. You heard me say last week, you can have a cement flooring, but what went into building that cement flooring is what matters. You can have a beautiful cement flooring, but if it doesn't have strong pillars, it will collapse. And that's the truth with the church. You can have a beautiful building. You can have huge numbers. You can have wonderful ministries. You can have all kinds of activities. But if the very, they, they call it the rebar of the church, isn't strong and sufficiently strong, it will collapse eventually. And that's what we want to talk about because that is where the culture represents the church. Matthew chapter 13 this morning. Let's read 1 through 9. On the same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the sea. And great numbers, multitudes were gathered together to him, so that he got into a boat and sat. And the whole multitude stood on the shore. Then he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed some seed, fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. Some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth, and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away, and some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. But others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. And he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Let's pray. Father, I ask you to give us revelation concerning the soil, O oh God. Help us to develop, O oh God, a right culture in church. God, give us a spirit, O oh God, to carry your name, O oh God, to bring glory to, the, to, the, to, the, to you, O oh God, in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Praise God. Here we find, beloved, in this passage, what I like to call the dogma of dirt. And why do I say that? Because when you think about this, the theory, the concept of the soil. So I have here soil from outside. <laughs> so I heard that Brother Victor told me He said this is topsoil And so I, I, I believe that as he said If the soil is fertile on the top If it is If the minerals and the soil is good On the top section of it What it does is it enables the plant To have proper rooting And it grows And the plant begins to flourish Am I, am I right to say that? Okay so if, if wrong, you go look for him, okay? Maybe Brother Charles, you can go clarify it later. <laughs> because this, they know, they know. I'm, not a, I'm a noob when it comes to planting. But the reality is the soil, the soil that we are referring to here enables us to understand that when the soil is good, the plant 
has greater potential to flourish. And so what we are referring to here then, is when you plant any type of seed, when there's proper natural sunlight and there's water that is sufficiently fed to the, to the soil and all the necessary ingredients and the natural minerals are provided, the plant and the fruit begin to flourish. So it is also true when it comes to the church. When the church has good soil, people begin to flourish. Because the soil which is underneath. You see, many a times people concentrate on the, the outward. People oftentimes look at the appearance. People oftentimes determine the, 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 the season or rather the fruitfulness of anything from just the appearance of what they see. But what we often miss, beloved, is the importance of the soil. When there is no proper soil, there is not going to be proper health for the plant. And that is true even for the church. It is what is on the inside, beloved, that really matters. It is what is underneath that produces a healthy, flourishing feel. What takes place above the surface is not nearly as important as what happens below the surface. This is where the soil represents the heart of the church. And so you're going to see that Jesus emphasized sowing and soil here in this entire passage. And in both of them, beloved, you realize the importance of them from this text. I want to look at 1 Samuel 16, verses 7. Do we have that passage? Read, look, look at this. The Bible says, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance. How many know we often base our judgments on outward appearances? But what does God say? Don't be deceived. Don't, don't, don't be carried away just by the merely outward appearance of something at his physical stature because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. Matthew 23 27, this is, you and I must understand God's character and what matters to God. It says here, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which indeed appear beautifully, out, beautiful outwardly, but inside are full of dead man's bones and all uncleanness. Again, on the outward, it looks good, but on the inside, Jesus says, Something is up. More, where the rubber meets the road to this morning, Revelation chapter 3, verses 1. I want you to look at this. And to the angel of the church of, in Sardis, write, These things says he who has the seven spirit of God and the seven stars. I know your works. And look at this. You have a name that you are alive. So when people look at the church, they have this presumptuous appearance that says, wow, the church is so active. Wow, people look at it and whoa, wow, they got so, you know, amazing, you know, and, and people get carried away by that. But what does Jesus say? You have a name that you're alive, but you are actually dead. In God's eyes, that outward appearance doesn't seem to impress Him. 
Are you with me this morning? So, what are we establishing here? The soil is more important than whatever is happening on the top part of it. Because if the soil isn't right, it can grow for a while. But how many know when you get confronted, when you get challenged, when you get, you know, when you are told you are wrong? What happens? When the soil is not right, you wither away. And it dies. But if the soil is right, which is the heart, you can receive correction. You can receive being challenged. You can be confronted. And you can say, you know what? I'm going to take it with the right heart. But we'll talk about that in a moment. But this represents here the various cultures in the church world. We can be concerned this morning about merely sowing and planting the seed. I sowed. But God seems to tell us that what He's more concerned about is ensuring that the soil is right. That's why He's talking about the soil. For many, quantity triumphs over quality. But for Jesus... He challenges us to go beyond merely sowing the seed. He challenges us to identify the type of soil. And this is why as a church, beloved, we're going to talk about four different cultures that can, can appear in the church and you and I have to strive as believers to have the right culture, to have the right environment, to have the right atmosphere in the church, not only so that people will come and see that we have set the right testimony for God, but also when a right culture is represented, the blessing of God begins to flow. What type of soil, the question then, does our church represent? What is the best description of our church? What best describes you? The type of soil is so necessary to determine the health of the church. I just want to set another uh, uh, um, um, layer before we go into speaking concerning the four different conditions that you would find in the church culture. When Jesus spoke to the seven churches in Revelation, they all represented seven different cultures. To some degree, five of them were unacceptable. Only two were acceptable to God. We know that as you read all through the book of Revelation that there was a church by the name of Smyrna that experienced some form of suffering, persecution because they did what was right. Then there was another church that was called the Church of Philadelphia who also chose to do what was right. And what did Jesus do? He commanded them and he began to compliment what they did. And he said because they kept his word in the face of trial, in the face of hardship, in the face of difficulty, they kept his word. You can read about it all the way from Revelations 2 to Revelations 3. All those through those two scriptures, you'll find those seven churches. But the balance of the five churches had a very disturbing culture. One, a culture that was just laboring and laboring and laboring, and yet they had lost their first love. They were so busy that the first love, their relationship with God was suffering. 
There was no building up spiritually. There was no building up. And I'll talk about that in a moment. Then there was the other church that was a compromising church that gave in to all the whims and the fancies of the demands that were presented there. Then there was the corrupted church. The scandalous church. Then there was the dead church. On the outward, we talked about that, Sardis. On the outward, it looked like they were alive, but they were dead. Then there was, as we know, the lukewarm church. Right? And so you have all of these churches. So culture in churches were biblical. There were, there were different cultures in the, in the church world. So what type of church are we tonight or this morning? You read this passage and Jesus says the first type of soil that he sowed, he said that the seed fell by the wayside. This type of soil I would like to call the stubborn soil. The wayside soil. Why is that so? Because as they were carrying these seeds, they would carry it on like a backpack and they would walk. And as they walked, the seeds will scatter, the Bible says. And as the seeds scattered, some of it will not fall on the good soil. What it would do is some of the seeds would fall on a pavement, the hard pavement, the pathway. And so when it falls on the pathway, what it would do is, this pathway represented a walkway for anyone who wanted to journey from one point to the next. So they would walk along that pathway. And when they walked in that pathway, they would step on this. And eventually, because they were stepped on so often, the soil became hard. So you can have a church filled with people but filled with stubborn people. Are you with me? That can be a culture in the church. Right? Say anything you want. I'm not moving. I'm not budging. That can be a culture in the church. It doesn't matter how hard you preach. It doesn't matter how much of the Bible you speak to me. It doesn't matter. My heart is hardened. I am not moved. That can be a culture. And this is what we must be mindful. The Bible says, as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside. The birds came, devoured them. A church that is unwilling to change. A church that wants to remain stuck in their ways. You know, COVID-19 has forced us to change a lot of things. Right? We got no choice. Some things we had to adapt, we had to shift, we had to accept this is the reality of it. And many of us would say, if I could just go back to how it was before, I would love to do that. But you and I know that's probably not possible. Things have changed. If we want to be stuck and stubborn in our ways, oh, I'm not going to do it like that, I'm not going to do it like this. Eh? Beloved, I'll tell you what, when, when we come to that place and we become so particular, oh, you know, we cannot do this, we cannot do that, uh, then we become legalistic. And that's not what the Bible wants us to be. The Bible speaks to us, and we'll talk about that in a moment. There was a story about a painter. I don't know if you read about it. But he was painting a wardrobe in a hotel. And as he was painting, he would move... Every few, after every few swipes, he would move away. He would go to another room and then he'll come back and then he'll continue to swipe. And he'll paint. And so this guy who walked past this painter was just blown away, you know, by the fact that what's wrong with you? Just to paint that small cabinet, you're taking three to four hours. So what is the matter with you? 
And so he began to observe what this guy would do. And so what the painter was doing is he would go and, you know, he would paint the wall and then he will go to the next room, dip the paintbrush into the paint can and then come back to this room and then paint. Because he didn't want to change. He wanted to do it the way he knew how to do it. It was fixated in his mind. It was determined in him that this was exactly how he's been doing it. This is exactly how all my years I've been doing. For crying out loud, just take the can and move it. When you're stubborn and you don't want to change, you find out you have to pay a very high price. And that's true with the church. We can be set in our ways. And just like a pavement, you walk out the five-foot walkway, it's hardened. In those days, like I said earlier, people stepped all over it. Nothing seemed to move them. And this is a stubborn culture. That no matter what the church may try to do, there are going to be people, beloved, who will refuse to participate. Every challenge will fall on deaf ears. And God doesn't want this spirit. God doesn't want this culture in the church. God doesn't want us to be a people who are stubborn. It doesn't matter what you say. It doesn't matter how you preach. It doesn't matter. Look at 1 Samuel 15.23. Look at what the Bible says stubbornness is. 1 Samuel 15.23. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. And stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Wow. To be stubborn, to refuse change. No one's telling you to move away from the vision or the purpose, but, but to refuse it. You know, when we get older as a church, we can become stubborn. This is how I pray. This is how I do it. This is what I do. This is every you know, this is how I come to church. This is how, and we refuse to. Some things, it's good that we stay rooted and we stay firm on it. But if you're stubborn, God cannot even change you. Matthew 13, 14 to 15, and I'm, I've got a sermon in the oven, not literal oven, but <laughs> in the works that I need to pull out and I want to preach on this, on, on this particular subject. It says, and in them, uh, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, which says, hearing you will hear and shall not understand. Are you with me? You can hear, but never seem to understand. Never seem to get it. Seeing you will see and not perceive. This is what disturbed me. Verses 15. Look at verses 15. For the hearts of these people have grown dull. The word dull, you know, many... Uh, no, man, I won't say it. Uh, you know your feet, you get callous. Hard skin underneath your feet as you grow older. And then, you know, they have all kinds of... They can remove the hard skin. Uh, callous. Your heart can become... That's what the word dull means. That means it becomes hardened. Nothing can seem to penetrate anymore. Their ears are hard of hearing. And their eyes they have closed. Lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears. Lest they should understand with their hearts so that I should heal them. You know what God is saying? Let them be cursed. I don't want to heal them. Do you see? So that if, if they can see, they can understand, they can hear, they will repent and turn away. I don't want. I want to judge them. That's what God is saying. It's a curse. When we stay in stubbornness, it's a curse. That means God is saying, that's not my intention for you, but you're forced to do what you want to do. 
And this is what the result turns out to be. A church that is stubborn can be a church similar to anybody who is stubborn. A church which is stubborn can be a church that is hurting. A church that's angry. You know, many churches have been violated, beloved. Where the, the pastor has, has done some kind of scandal or, you know, there's some kind of ungodliness that happens in the church. I thank God for what we set up in this church because it keeps us doubly, triply accountable to one another in this way. But the point is there are many, many places that don't carry that same spirit. And I can tell you, beloved, there are people who have been hurt, who have been victimized, become resentful. I've been to some of those churches. I preached in some of those churches. And you can preach and you can challenge and you can bring a word from heaven. And it's like nothing. They're so stuck. So how do we break stubbornness? The same way you break a soil that is hardened, you pour lots and lots of water on it. Am I, am I right? Would that be? You correct me later. <laughs> but, I, but, but you pour lots and lots and lots. You just keep watering it. Right? And at initially, when the water goes on it, it just bounces off because it's so hard. But sometimes you just keep, and then you have to use the chunkul, you have to use the hoe, and you've got to tilt the ground. You've got to break up the fallow ground, as they say, and you've got to soften it up uh, as much as you can. And that's the only way to break a hardened heart. Living water, the Bible says, is the Word of God. The more you listen to God's word, the more you allow the Holy Spirit to have access into your life, the more you begin to walk in holiness and righteousness, the more you respond to the Spirit and the conviction of God, the softer and the tender your heart becomes. One of the things my wife and I were trying to do when, when all of this happened was we started looking at bringing in a certain type of a sponge from China. We went to Alibaba, we said, okay, let's do this. This is probably something we can work on. So we brought this. And interestingly, the sponge has a, a, a dual function. If it's put under hot water, it stays soft. But when it goes under cold water, it becomes hard as rock. And so I realized that is exactly the heart sometimes that we have as human beings. That, you know, when we fill ourselves with things that are ungodly, our hearts just get harder and harder and harder and harder. But the moment we start filling ourselves with God, with His Word, with, His, with the preaching, with the fellowship, with the Holy Spirit, our hearts become tender and softer. Okay, don't worry, I'm not going to talk too long on the other soils. I'm going to bring this down very quickly. But the second soil this evening, the, oh, sorry, this morning, the Bible says, some fell on stony places. That's the shallow soil. So you can have the soil in the place, but this is the type of church that has what I call superficial excitement. Impulse. Oh, we're going to do that. Yeah, and they get excited. But when it comes time for commitment, they don't show up. 
there are churches like that. That, that's a shallow church. So the moment, look at what Jesus says. Some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth and they immediately sprang up. But they had no depth of earth. So this is the excited church. This is the excitement culture. This is the culture of hype and gig. Oh, we can make everybody excited. We get everybody excited and we, you know, try to convince everybody that, you know, it's going to be great and all that. And so people get geared up. People get, you know, all excited and all riled up. But when it comes time for commitment, there's no follow through. And Jesus says this type of seed or this type of soil, when the seed goes in, it grows quickly. But the moment the heat of the day comes on, the moment the sun begins to hit on it, the scorch, the heat, it dies and it withers away because it doesn't have root. And there are many congregations, many churches with that culture. They're all excited. They all got uniforms. They all look like, you know, they all pumped up and all that is going on on the outward. But the problem is, beloved, this is just somehow an excitement that is temporary. The moment that excitement simmers and dies off, their Christianity dies off. This is called the shallow soil. And the shallow culture gives us the impression like the church of Sardis. On the outward, it looks like it's alive. But when you know the deep inside of it, it's dead. It dies because there is a lack of maturity. There's no growth. They sound like a Christian. They look like a Christian. They smell like a Christian. They, in fact, use perfume, that Christian Dior. So when you smell them, you're like, whoa, Christian. (laughs) Yeah. They have all of that. All the outward appearances. But the truth of the matter is, when problems come, they run. Are you with me? This is the excited culture. This is the shallow soil. And we cannot be that church as well. A shallow church is an immature church. Just like a shallow soil is an immature soil. It needs to go deeper in order to create roots. This is why, beloved, as a church, it is our duty as a pastor, I understand this, that I must make every possible avenue to help you grow and mature in your faith with God. But it's one thing to have these things. That's why we emphasize so much on reading the Bible. That's why we emphasize so much on praying. That's why we emphasize so much about being in the house of God. Because we understand how important these things are to the maturity and the depth of your Christianity. You'll never go deep if your relationship with God isn't growing. If you are not responding to preaching, if you are not responding to the word, if you are taking a lackadaisical approach, oh, when I feel like it, I will just listen when I want to, then you will never grow. Look back two years ago and look where you are today. You are the same. But when you respond, you grow, you mature, you go deeper. Your relationship with God is maturing. This is what matters to the church. You know, the, the Leaning Tower of Pisa, uh, they found that it, it, you know, they stopped a public from going in because it was, it was they, you know, it became the Leaning Tower, but at the same time, it was leaning a bit too much. 
So they were afraid. They were afraid that somehow it, it, it might cause some unwanted accidents. So they stopped people from going in there. They spent $25 million to determine the problem and fix the issue and so on and so on. And what they found out was because when they built this, it wasn't the poor workmanship. It wasn't the bad design. None of that was the issue. It, was an, it wasn't an inferior grade of marble. The problem was actually underneath the tower. It was the sandy soil on which the city of Pisa was built, and it wasn't stable enough to support the monument of this size. So you can have an outward of beautiful, but it'll never stand the test of time. Because the soil isn't deep enough. That's why many a times, it's not about you doing something, oh, I must get involved in ministry, I must do this, I must do that. No, 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 no. In this church, we want you to grow spiritually. We want your prayer life. You must have a prayer life with God because we believe that makes you go deeper. The third one, and that's the busy soil. And, and, and this is what the Bible says in verse 7. Some fell among thorns and thorns sprang up and choked them. Have you heard the term jack of all trade but master of none? A lot of churches are jack of all activities but master of none. We just want to keep ourselves busy. Are you with me? And that's what I want to stay away from as a pastor and as a church. We should be very focused on what our purposes are. We can have one program after another program, but beloved, what's the point if that's not God's purpose for us? That's why the Bible says that in, in, in the book of Revelation chapter 2, he spoke about the church that fell out of love. They were so busy. They were so occupied. They had activities for everything. Activities for youth, activity for couple, activity for old men, activity for young men, activity for old women, activity for young women. So many activities, but none of the activities contributed to them growing spiritually. And that's what Jesus said. You get so busy that you depart from your first love. We cannot be a busy culture church. Revelations 2.4, I just said that. Nevertheless, I have this against you. You have left your first love. You know, we are trying to lure people through methodologies. We are trying to lure people in through activities, programs. And I understand we need all of that to some degree, but they are not centrally required. Why does the church exist? Let's go back to the root of it. To win souls, the great commission, and number two, to help you and I grow spiritually. The great commission and the great commandment. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and to love your neighbor as yourself. That's the sole purpose we exist as a church. If an activity is going to take us away from that, don't get caught up in it. I don't have my timer, so am I at about 30 minutes mark? Okay. When did you start taking notes? At what time? Just shout it out when you get it. Busy churches are so over-programmed, church. Oftentimes, we're so caught up. Our hearts are torn. We are so divided. There's no focus and there's no clarity. So let's talk finally because we, we cannot be the busy church. We must never be so busy to the point 
We're doing everything. So they, they always use the busy as a bee. Doing this, doing that, this activity, that activity, this activity, that activity. And people are dying spiritually. That's why we, we eliminate during this, this COVID season, one of the things I did, you know, I got Siva and, and Evangelist Mark to preach more often because I said, I need, to take a, I need to take a sit back because it was overwhelming me to the point that I was being overly consumed. I couldn't, I couldn't stay focused. And so they took Sunday nights, Tuesday services for that because I understand, beloved, my relationship with God was at, at risk. You cannot be too busy. The church cannot be. The, the church, like I said, must go back to its purpose. Finally, the type of soil that God wants us to be, that's the good soil. As a church, we must have a soft, deep, productive culture that is making progress for God. There must be fruitfulness. When you look at the soil of the church, people are growing. People are maturing. People are drawing closer to God. People are getting into relationship with God. People who are coming in are hearing the word of God. They are responding at the altar. They are making decisions. That is a conducive heart that God wants us to have. That's the culture that God wants us. We are not getting bitter or upset. We're not throwing it and saying, you know, I'm offended. No, but rather we're having a right spirit, a right heart, a deep, productive, responsive spirit in us. That must be the church that I've preached in so many places. And I can tell you, beloved, by the grace of God, I've had numbers of pastors who have come into They said, you know, in this church, it is so easy to preach. Why? Because you are responsive. Obviously, there are some subjects you may get. Don't touch that. <laughs> you know, hey, let me tell you something. Uh, there are two things I'm, I, God has always put upon my heart. Money and prayer. These are two subjects I can very comfortably speak on. I've seen God move very personally in these areas in my life. I've seen God do miracles in it. It's very personal to me. But I tell you what, I tell my wife oftentimes, I said, I thank God for this congregation. Because I've been to many places. I've taken conference. I've been in conference. I've taken offerings. And you can feel it the moment. We're going to take an offering. They get uptight. You can feel it. Like, don't talk about money to me. You can, but, but we have a great atmosphere here. These are the kind of signs I look for in the health of the church. At the end of the day, beloved, it must come to a place where there is reception. We must be willing to accept what the Word of God says. And when you have a heart, a culture such as that, fruitfulness, begins to become the byproduct. Let's close now. This is where the church, 40 minutes, he said. Okay. 
Sorry, I didn't put my timer here. I might just go on. When I'm excited, you don't know what happened. When I see you guys in church, like, hey, let's preach, man. I've not seen you in a long time. I'll preach till 12.30. No. But the Bible says, listen very carefully as we close. I'm going to close right here. The church must break free tonight or this morning. We must come away from this. And, and, and what do I mean by that? We must break away from stubbornness. If there's stubbornness in our hearts, we need to confront it this morning. If, if, if the culture of stubbornness resides in us, we got to break it. We got to cast it down. No, I cannot be stubborn. I've got to be open to God. We got to break away shallowness. And how do we do that? It will be a good start if you start reading Nehemiah chapter 13 today. And start growing. Going deeper. Praying. Laying hold of God daily in your relationship with God. And not being overly caught up. Oh, I'm in this ministry. I'm in that ministry. I'm doing that. I'm in this youth. I'm in that program and this program and that program. For what? To keep yourself busy and your relationship with God is dying? That's important. I get it, beloved. But more important than that is your relationship with God. And we can be so busy. Some pastors are so busy. They're here, there, preaching here, preaching there, doing this, doing that, 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 that their church is dying and they don't care. They have no time for their congregation. They have no time to counsel people. They have no time to pick up the phone. They have no time to answer questions. I'm busy. I'm just busy, busy, busy. But you're the pastor. You're supposed to be here for me. You see, people don't look at all that. Many of you have called us. And you know we don't, we don't, you know, when you text us, you know for a fact, I respond to you. You know you call me, I've, I've responded to you. Many, because that is my duty as a pastor to you. It's my role. That's what I'm here for. But the point is, beloved, we cannot be too busy that we're not growing spiritually. So what is the development that we are addressing here? The Bible says, that you and I need to realize in verses 8, but others fell on good ground and it yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. Our actions this morning reveals our heart. All through this passage, I'm just going to give you a few closing remarks and I'm done. All through this passage, I want you to catch this. The seed didn't change. The seed didn't change. God used the same seed. We know the seed that He's speaking about is the Word of God. He used the same. That was the thing He used. But the soil changed from one to the other. And what determined the difference? The soil. And so it is true even with you and I. If we as a church have a good soil, if we as a church have a soil that is clearly able to receive from God, there's no telling the fruitfulness that God will give us, beloved. You know, I look around and yeah, you know, I, 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 I love to see more people in church. I know people are watching online, but this is God's church. Let God do what He needs to do. I'm just privileged to be the pastor of this church. 
It's a humble opportunity. But I declare to you right here, beloved, the difference wasn't the seed. The difference wasn't the mission. The difference wasn't the idea, the methodology. The only difference in our passage was the soil. What soil did it land on? So you can be here right now. And I'm preaching the same word to everybody. And you can take it with a stubborn heart. You can take it with a shallow heart. Oh yeah! Whoa, powerful sermon, man, pastor. Wow! And then the moment you walk out there, you forget everything that you heard. Or you can be so busy that anything you preach, I'm running to this minute, I'm running there, I'm paying, I'm there, then, 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 then. You can ask Siva, I've told him many times, slow down. I say, you ought to be praying. I don't want you being carried away by all these things. You ask, he'll tell you. Why? Because it's not about me having someone run for the church, it's about us growing spiritually. So don't get busy that you cannot grow spiritually. And finally, what must we have when we come to church? You know what? God, you spoke to me today. I need to do business with you. I need to deal with this. That kind of heart will grow, will mature, and will continue to get closer to Jesus. That's the culture we need in this church. That's the culture we need. A good soil. If God's word is not working, a man once said, and I'll just read this and I close, you need to check the ground it landed on because there is nothing wrong with God's seed. Hearing the Bible preached is like eating an appetizer. Once you hear the sermon, no matter how much you liked it or enjoyed it, all you got was the appetizer. The full meal comes when you take the word you have heard Process it, digest it, and put it to use in your daily life. There is nothing wrong with the seed because the seed is God's word and therefore the word of God is perfect. The problem, the damage is in the soil. So will we deal with that? Will we develop a culture, concertedly come together and say, you know what, we need to have a good, culture in this church pastor we need to do we need to be receptive we need to be open to god we need to allow god to do what he wants i want to have a good heart that's reason i'm telling you beloved that's where the blessing flows bow your heads with me the culture of the church i know many a times